So welcome to The Edge. It's been a while um, since we've had a conversation like this, Jay. We've been very busy over the summer, uh, both with work and vacations and podcasting and doing uh, writing and all that fun stuff. Um, I, I know you did a little international traveling. How was Italy? Italy was great, actually. I mean, I, I to be honest, I, I went because I like like old architecture and stuff. So we went to a place called Matera. Um, it's a UNESCO heritage site. Uh, it's, I think, the third oldest site uh, city in the world, they reckon. Um, there's a lot of houses that are built in the caves in the rock. Um, and I think in, in something like the 1980s, they made everyone move out um, because it was pretty dirty and disgusting, I think, to live in a cave. Um, but now they've kind of made museums out of them and stuff. So it was good. The food's great in Italy. Uh, I still didn't eat oysters, um, but I did eat a lot of pizza uh, and ice cream, um, which is quite famous for that area of Italy. So for anyone that doesn't know, it's like down in the southeast corner of Italy. Spent several weeks there. Um, I think the highlight other than the food was we went out for a walk one day and there was a huge lightning storm and we actually both got quite nervous and decided to walk quite quickly back to our apartment. Um, normally it doesn't bother me, but it was it was really close. I could feel it tingling as it was hitting the ground. So we we kind of legged it back. Um, but it was good. I enjoyed it. It was nice to have a break. So nice. curious, what did you get up to? Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of vacations, we we kept it close. We were going to go out to um, a place in Idaho that was has a very nice amusement park, but uh, check the temperature and it was like 110 there. So. Uh, being outside at 110 on pavements and amusement rides just didn't seem like a great thing. So we ended, we pivoted and went to Seattle. So uh, great visit there. It's been a while uh, since I'd been to Seattle outside of a baseball game and um, did something I've never done before, which is kind of surprising given I've lived in the Pac Northwest for a really long time. Went to the top of the Space Needle. Never did it. As a, as a kid, never did it. As an adult, never did it. Um, it was pretty awesome. I, I, I was impressed. Uh, went to the top. Perfect day in Seattle. If you can get, you know, 70, 80 clear sky in Seattle, that's um, that's like heaven. So it was one of those days and uh, got a photo of myself up there rocking an AppGate Zero Trust uh, T-shirt. So uh, pretty cool. And um, then uh, went down below and they have what used to be a rotating restaurant. And um, my daughter uh, had a great time with that. She looked down, there was glass. She could see the ground moving and um, got a really good video of her. Uh, but in terms of food, um, certainly did not uh, partake in any of the awesome Italian food you did, but uh, learned that the, the thing right now in Seattle is these, uh, what, what are called Korean dogs. So essentially it's a take on the, um, the old corn dog um, but with uh, an Asian twist to it. So instead of using cornmeal, um, they'll use things like Planko bread or rice flour and then uh, start to dress it up. So a lot of it will be like spicy, um, but they also add sugar to it. So you get this crazy um, spicy sweetness um, and uh, really good. Had one with um, made of Cheetos. So uh Pretty, pretty amazing uh, meal there. Had a few of those and um, I probably regretted it about an hour later, but uh, at the time, much like a donut, 
it was amazing. So uh, good times and summer's over. Now the weather's starting to change and um, there's some news. Uh, we saw Zscaler's uh, earnings released uh, about a month ago and oh my God, they were crazy good. Uh, revenue up 61% year over year to about almost $320 million. Um, they're projecting more growth uh, in the upcoming quarters. So this thing uh, called SSE is, uh, is it's, it's for real. My God. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I was I actually watched the, and listened to the presentation that they have after hours. And I, I was looking at my phone and, and checking the stock. And I'm like, wow. And this was before I even went on the call. I'm like, wow, whatever they've said is big. It, it spiked like 25%. But it just goes to show, right, that that's where people are going. That's the direction people are going in. The, the market is huge. I mean, they are by far the market leader currently. But actually, they only have a small amount of what Gartner says the total market's going to be this year, 2023, 2024, 2025. So they could predict... Um, they could grow at that kind of rate year on year, but equally there can be three or four other players in that market as well that, are, that could be that big. That There are so many people that still are using what I would class as legacy VPN instead of this kind of new SSE model. So I, I it wouldn't surprise me if they, they continue in that kind of vein. Yeah, the growth there is going to be... Um pretty high. I saw that reflected in the stock price. I think it had ended up somewhere right around 20% bump. So for those of you owning Zscaler stock, you did well, um, celebrate. Uh, and, and probably I would recommend to go long uh, and uh, keep it keep it going because to your point, uh, it's very early days in this market. And uh, uh, I think it's only maybe 10 to 15% of the, of the TAM. And there's lots of Lots of opportunity here for not only Zscaler, but a few other companies that are in this space and um, very exciting. And I, you're absolutely right. Um, we're going to see this, this transition away from VPN. Uh, hybrid work has become a thing. We don't see a lot of news around people going back to the office. And rather what we're seeing is this uh, dichotomy between the office and, and remote work and and a lot of conversations around what does the, the future branch office look like or the future campus off look like? Is it something like, uh, I don't know, a, a, a clubhouse where people go on Tuesdays and Thursdays and have their extended series of meetings and um, the rest of the week they're working from home or wherever they are? Uh, I think that model is is more likely and and that you know just goes to show uh, those earnings from Zscaler really reflect that people are starting to think about the future and, and the post COVID world and and how the workforce is, is going to be uh, made up. So uh, very exciting times. Uh, we also had some news around Netscope. Uh, what are they? Are they SSE or? Are they sassy or are they somewhere in between? I, I'm I'm starting to wonder. I, I think it's quite interesting what's going to happen over the next couple of years in regards to that. I I, I mean Gartner came out with sassy. We we we've talked before about how do you kind of embed security in in an SD WAN area. Um, then they 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 kind of made SSE a bit more of a thing and said that SD WAN wasn't such a thing. It's probably a different thing than it was before, um, but but what is it going to be? Who's kind of, I, in my mind, I'm like, is that even a battle? 
is it a battle that's worth having? Should people be saying I'm going SASE or SSE? What what are those? Is it is going SSE and an SD WAN vendor just going SASE, or do you buy it all from one place? In in my mind, and certainly my my experience, I came from manufacturing. We had an MPLS network. We migrated MPLS to SD WAN, but it was managed. It was a managed service. We didn't want the skills in-house. We didn't have them. We didn't want to go and hire people to, to manage our, our global network. We certainly didn't do it with MPLS. So why would we do it with SD-WAN? It was more simpler, yes, but we didn't want to manage it. I don't know if going towards a SASE direction means that you are going to inevitably need more skills in that area. So if you went down an SSE route, and you go with a managed SD-WAN, is that going to be simpler for some organizations than it would be to go pure SASE and have to understand the SD-WAN area? Now, for me, I think it's not one size fits all. Having the choice is great. Having the ability of going in those two different directions is, is great. Um, and I actually think that some companies will go one direction and some companies will go in another direction. I, I guess you could have managed SASE, which means you don't do any of those things. But I'm not sure that's a thing. I'm not sure people will do that. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in terms of the managed services, it, it really depends on your segment and, and what industry you're involved in. Uh, I, if you're in the mid-market and you're you know, struggling to maintain talent and, and the operational side of things, a managed service is, is certainly something out there. You, you've seen offerings from Palo Alto. Um, Zscaler has one. Uh, Netscope just an, an announced one with Orange. Um, but I think it's more along the lines of that mid-market uh, clientele that they have where they just don't have the the in-house talent or their focus is you know let's let's let someone else do the KTLO and and some of that hard work because honestly you know as somebody who was involved in SD-WAN very early and and moved their, their company away from MPLS a lot of that hard work is just finding that last mile connectivity it's not something you want to take on and um the finding it is hard. Uh, the managing it of it is hard. Uh, the day-to-day -day upkeep of that aspect is difficult. So you're trading off the cost and complexity and some of the, the inability to be flexible with um, MPLS um, for a lot of the freedom of choice and, and the, the cost reduction of SD-WAN. But on the other side, there's a whole lot of work uh, that you have to do. So uh, managed service certainly makes uh, a lot of sense. And in that vein, uh, we did see two, um, two uh, startups come out of stealth, interestingly enough, uh, both with a Cisco lineage. Uh, one of them is Graphient. And Graphient, if you're not familiar with it, uh, go look it up. Kind of interesting of, of what they're doing. Uh, they've done a few podcasts in it as well as um, some documentation out there. Uh, the founder is is ex uh, Viptila, as we all know. Viptila was bought by Cisco. Um, the the founder stayed there, but he felt like his 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 job wasn't finished, and uh, so he uh, after I guess his his handcuffs came off the golden handcuffs. He moved out, uh, started up a, a startup with uh, network as a service. So if you're looking to replace MPLS. 
uh, and you're not sold on SD-WAN or you don't want to manage your um, last mile connectivity, this is something to take a look at. The company's called Graphient, um, announced about two weeks ago. Um, I, I, it's it's one of those companies that I, I, I'm going to watch and just see how they do. The other one was um, Nile, and Nile again has uh, some some connections. Obviously, very big connections with Cisco. Uh, it is a uh, one of their product managers, as well as backed by uh, John Chambers uh, VC fund. So, uh, what they're looking to do, I think, is not at the same as what uh, Graphian's looking to do. Based on what I saw, they're more interested in uh, campus branch. Uh, connectivity. So instead of having yourself uh, manage, you say, a Cisco switch or uh, Arista or whatever it may be, um, they're looking to do it as a service. So they will provide the hardware um, for the LAN, maybe some routers, maybe wireless, and then manage it. And as you grow, they will add more capacity. So instead of having this uh, CapEx model, you move to more of an OpEx model, which we've We've seen very successful with cloud and SaaS. Um, that's going to be one to take a look at. Uh, my my one concern right now is supply chain and and hardware is a, a bit difficult to find these days. I think the lead times are somewhere right around 400 to 450 days. So uh, I don't know if they've got a stash of hardware in the background and they're leveraging that. Uh, they did announce a few customers, but uh, more to come. The, the two companies to watch, Graphient and Nile. Uh, so check them out, kind of in that vein of, of a managed service. I'd be curious to know, I mean, Cloud took quite a while to get going. Um, and I think it's going now. I think that ball's rolling. But I'm not sure if this fits in with kind of the outsource model that we had, had seen when we were working in corporates of, of kind of outsourcing your help desk and kind of your support team. It didn't go particularly well for a lot of people. It, it went from kind of managing people to managing contracts. And actually, we then went through a phase of people kind of insourcing again and bringing it back in-house. And the problem with when you've outsourced something and you decide to insource something well, those people have gone. You've got rid of all those people with the skills. Um, and I'm not sure. I mean, I can see the appeal of it. I can see the appeal of a, an OPEX-based model and not having to constantly buy hardware and refresh hardware and do firmware and do all of those things. So I, I can fundamentally see the appeal of it. But my my experience when you outsource something, and even when we outsourced our WAN with MPLS or SD-WAN, the speed of change and, and being able to get things done in the cost and, and and having to look at every line of the contract to determine what the SLAs were and if things went wrong to be able to go back and get like penalty charges back and all of those things. So don't get me wrong, I, I'm excited to see where these things go. And I'm really excited to see if it's SSE plus SD-WAN or if it's SSE plus one of these or or what direction go in. Um, I'm just curious to, to, to see how it takes off. I mean, I've been surprised over the last two or three years with the way things have changed in the world anyway. So maybe people's opinions in the way they look at things are also changing. Innovation's been crazy over that period. And I think people's mindsets are also changing and going, well, these things that are kind of cloud-based or managed have helped us out of a hole that we've been in. Maybe our eyes have been opened and we can look at things differently. Um but it's, de it's definitely one to watch or, or two to watch or an area to watch. Um, but I mean, it's probably worth us, whilst we're on this topic, talking a little bit about 
the magic quadrant that Gartner have come out for SD1. And, mm -hmm. and is it the last one they're ever going to do? Is it, is it going to, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 before we get onto that, it's worth saying I fundamentally thought Zscaler would be the first player in the SSE arena to go out and buy an SD1 vendor. I mean, I've seen them say that they're sassy. I've seen them say that they're SSE. In my mind, they're not really sassy because they don't own an SD1 vendor. Well, they haven't created their own SD1. So I fully expected them to make that play first, but they haven't. So what does that mean for the future? And certainly, what does that mean for those SD1? I guess you're either going to get large SSE vendors partner or buy SD1 vendors, or you're going to get an SD1 vendor think we should be sassy and go out and buy an SSE. So what does that mean for that magic quadrant? Yeah, I, I, I'll, the comments I'll make is um, on net, in, in terms of Netscope, uh, they went out and bought a company called Inaflot. I, I probably butchered the name there, sorry. Um, but uh, this is a company that uh, the lineage, uh, we, you know, we talked a little bit about Cisco. Um, this is one that, again, has Cisco connections. So uh, the founder, Parig uh, Tamakor, uh, again, I'm probably butchering your name, so I'm very sorry. Uh, he is ex-Cisco. He was in the product management team that ran uh, a lot of the route switch area. It's an area where a lot of the other founders of the SD-WAN movement came out of. Uh, he left Cisco, uh, went and uh, was, I think, one of the founders for VeloCloud or you know, one of the early um, uh, product people there and um, had good success there. Was, as we know, uh, Velo exited to VMware. And um, so he's looking to take another bite of the apple. The challenges with the, the, the SD-WAN space is that a lot of the investment uh, into these companies, these startups started to dry up in about 2018, 2019. Obviously, then we saw the pandemic and, and you know any sort of investment in startups that were related directly to SD-WAN um, pretty much went away. So um, Netscope bought a company that only had maybe $15 million invested in round A. Uh, terms of that uh, acquisition were not released, uh, but they are folding uh, this is acquisition of Inflot into their borderless WAN unit. So um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what comes out of it. But I suspect, you know, given what we saw with VeloCloud and even with Viptilla, the the time to integrate that product into their um, uh, uh, portfolio is is going to take a while. So um, we'll we'll see. And again, fifteen million dollars. I can tell you that at fifteen million dollars, that uh, the product is probably pretty bare bones. Um, I didn't see a lot in their marketing materials around, hey, this has got some you know cool little technology that no one else has. It seemed pretty much table stakes. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. If somebody wants to reach out from Netscope and, and wants to correct me, please, please do. I, I always love to talk about SD-WAN. But in terms of um, Zscaler, there aren't a lot of folk, there aren't a lot of companies out there for them to buy. It, it, it kind of comes down to Versa Networks. Um, there's a few others, but they're not in the leader's quadrant of a Gartner. So uh, who are they going to buy? And if they're going to buy somebody like a Versa, that's going to take a lot of money. Obviously, they're doing extremely well. But, um, 
you know, uh, if I'm Zscaler, I'm probably looking to partner and, and stay a little bit of a Switzerland there and not make the full move to SASE. Uh, just because, you know, the point well taken with Netscope, it takes a long time to integrate those products into your uh, portfolio. So um, it might be a nice buy, but uh, it's going to take, you know, 15 months maybe to get that product uh, in in where it's aligned really well and streamlined. Um, so. I, I don't see them buying anybody, but I, I you know I could but be that wrong. answers the question about the magic quadrant in a roundabout way, right? If you've got the market leader in SSE not go into a sassy kind of play, then SD WAN is still going to need to exist, right? Um, yeah, I, I would agree. SD WAN uh, will exist and it will continue to exist. Uh, my argument has been for, you know, since we we started this process, um, is that SD-WAN fades into the background. It, it becomes connectivity. I, I can recall having a discussion with two of the top analysts at Gartner uh, at, at breakfast and, and like, hey, where, where's SD-WAN going? Well, it's just gonna fade into the background. Um, and we've seen that happen. Uh, so I, I don't know, is, is this the last magic quadrant? Maybe, I, I doubt it. I think there'll be a few more, but I think really the focus going forward is going to be on um, on SASE and SSC. Uh, but a few notes around uh, SD-WAN, uh, call-outs that Gartner had. Um, their, their, their feeling is that 50% of the uh, SD-WAN purchases will be part of a single vendor secure access uh, edge solution, so SASE. So there's, again, saying that this uh, marketplace is not uh, is, is going to be mostly one vendor. One vendor takes them all. 30% um, of the SD-WAN procurements will be in some form of network as a service. Again, we talked about Graphint. We talked about Nile. Um, and 40% of SD-WAN deployments will use artificial intelligence, that magic uh, fairy <laughs> dust that we all talk about <laughs> as, as we you know pitch our products. Uh, it must have AI. It must have ML. Um, but they're saying that you know this is a thing. Uh, day two, uh, as as we all say, uh, lasts forever, and day one is only twenty four hours. Uh, they're seeing an uptake of of ten percent. I'm seeing that as well in the marketplace. If you uh, recall, about two weeks ago, both Netscope and Palo Alto had their Sassy Week. Um, major topic of conversation: AI ops. Uh, it's just clearly there. So. Um, yeah, I, I think we're going to be talking more about SASE, less about SD-WAN. SD-WAN will be that connectivity, and it will probably fade in there. But uh, would love to get your take on um, single vendor versus multiple vendors. So if I'm, uh, you know, put your put your former role hat on where you were managing infrastructure, um, why would you go with a single vendor, and and why would you go with multiple vendors? What what are the what are your uh, what are your considerations there? I mean, that was always a difficult one. I mean, I, I was. I was always interested in, in having the smallest number of vendors I possibly could in an environment because one throat to choke all of that stuff. Um, but I always find that not all vendors could all do, do all the things I needed at the level I needed them. Now, we've talked before about maybe some of the things you only need at 80%, 85%, and you'll, you'll, you'll take that as long as that vendor does it. But certainly when we're talking about SSE and SASE, I think one of my prerequisites would have to be 
that they did exactly what I needed to do out of the requirements. And I just don't know if a pure sassy vendor can do everything like from an SD-WAN and an SSE point of view. And I also don't know if a pure SSE kind of vendor that goes out and acquires an SD-WAN vendor is going to be able to do everything that I need at the right level either. Um, primarily because trying to bolt all those things into a single product is going to be hard. I've never seen anyone, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never really seen anyone that's gone out and bought a tool that's been able to bolt it in and make it part of a like a, a single platform. It tends to just be a portfolio of tools. And you may as well, if you're going to run a portfolio and you've got to go in six or seven places, the only real benefit you're getting in most cases from buying from a single vendor is cost because you can bundle everything together. You're not getting ease. You're not getting simplicity. You're not getting that. So... I would I would also throw in support. Yeah. So if the support's good, so it's it's both cost and support. So Continue. I and we've talked about this on on a podcast before. We talked about it at the SSE forum meeting. If a vendor comes up with a smart way of connecting sites, and I'm not even going to call it SD WAN, I'm going to say of connecting sites as an SD WAN does. But if an SSE vendor comes up with a new way of doing it that enables users and computers in one site to be able to connect to users and computers in another site in a, in a smart clever way within a single platform that's where my money would go would i spend money and i don't mean to talk negatively about netscope or anybody else but if if netscope don't manage to embed that acquired sd1 into a single environment that's configurable it's not going to be that useful and in my mind, they're actually quite different tools. I don't know in my head, I can't kind of picture how you would manage your SSE and your SD-WAN in a single tool. So I I mean, unless I'm just not thinking correctly, they're, they're kind of different skill sets. There is a little bit of a crossover. There is a bit of an overlap. But SD-WAN still requires a lot more networking knowledge than your standard SSE and vice versa. And I just don't know how it's going to be possible. Um, so I, I fundamentally think whoever's smart enough to come up with a clever way of doing that, like replacing the SD-WAN requirement in some way to connect those sites and those users and that, I just I just don't know if, if there's value in it. And maybe that's what Zscaler's thought process is. Maybe that's why maybe they're going to come up with or someone else will come up with a clever way of not having SD-WAN, having the same functionality, but without it being a traditional SD-WAN vendor, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, my, my recommendations are, you know, as you're out there considering options and whatever vendor you choose, uh, the most important thing is to think about your requirements. Start there before you start solutioning and, and calling in the vendors and texting your VAR and whoever that is, your trusted advisor. Um, think about your requirements because not everyone's going to have the same situation. If you're in manufacturing, it's not going to be the same as in retailing and, and so on and so forth. So you've got to do your homework. In terms of the products, um, 
you know, uh, you've got to look for those strong API integrations. So um, does your SSE platform integrate with another SD-WAN provider or a, a NAS provider or whoever that may be? Uh, and, and the reverse, the same as if you're looking at your, hey, you have SSE and you're looking at SD-WAN, uh, the reverse holds true. So you've got to ask the questions. Um, does the, the solution route the traffic? Does it provide telemetry? Uh, you've got to, you've got to ask the questions, do the homework. Uh, and once you do that, then you got to kick tires and do a test drive. Uh, cause that day one purchase, Hey, I already said it, it's 24 hours. Um, day two is forever. And you've got to consider the operational burden. Uh, is this product that I brought on board going to increase the amount of work that my operational team, uh, and that includes both the NOC, the SOC, uh, and the, the engineering staff that you know provides that level three? You've got to be thinking about that because there is a burden that you're going to have to bear uh, as a leader, you know, an IT leader, uh, and, and what do you want to accept there? So, um, you know, I think that... Uh, that kind of covers it. Uh, Jay, what uh, what can people expect from the SSC forum in the in the remainder of this year? What uh, exciting things do we have coming up? Oh, wow. Up? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, to be honest, our, our Breaking Down Zero Trust podcast has is, is got a lot of really positive feedback. So for everyone that's listened to it and, and, and everyone that was involved in it, thank you very much. It was great. Um, we're working on a, a visionary series where we're going to do podcasts for people that we believe are visionary in the industry. So if there's anyone listening to this who, who has someone in mind that they'd like to hear, reach out to us and let us know. Um, we're going to focus on kind of the networking stack, and I'll let you cover that one in a second. Um, but also we're going to start talking to people about how do you get into cyber? I mean, one of the things I've certainly had a lot of questions about from, from people that are trying to either move over from kind of being in IT into kind of security or um, the younger generation that are, say, coming out of university and get in, or, or how do we do it? Where do we start? Which direction should we go in? And me and you can give give answers to that, but let, let's go out and speak to people that are kind of experts in doing that, some coaches and mentors and people that are, are on that journey. So we're going to do some podcasts with people like that. Um, but yeah, I'll hand back to you to talk about the networking series. Yeah, so we have, uh, we're lining up, or I'm doing my show running, let's call it. Uh, that uh, for a series on basically the arc of networking. So if you think about in the 90s, we had VPN, we had MPLS, uh, different technologies that uh, you know we all are familiar with and we've done our Cisco, CCNA, CCMP, and, and some of us CCIE type work on. And then uh, that transition as we saw cloud come forward, SDN to SD-WAN to SASE to SSE, how did that all happen? And uh, who were some of the key people involved in that? Um, I've reached out to a number of them. Uh, we've got some some soft commits for them to come on and and uh, record a podcast with us. So if you're interested in you know history and how we got to this point with SSE with SASE, uh, this new category called NAS, uh, what was the predecessor technologies and how did we get here? I got the people. So um, look forward to that. Uh, we also have another SSC meeting coming up. I'm um, SSC forum meeting coming up uh, next month. It will be on CyberMesh. So if you're interested, uh, reach out uh, to Jay or myself. Uh, you hit us up on the LinkedIn page. Uh, follow the SSC forum, and then uh, probably the other exciting thing I can tell you about is I will be at Data Connectors in Atlanta on August 20th, and I will be uh, uh, talking about. Um, 
SSE. And, and again, how did we get here? So uh, it'll be a great talk. And if you're there, uh, stop by. I will be on stage, obviously, uh, and then uh, working uh, the booth for access. So love to meet you. Love to have a conversation. Uh, if you want to have a cup of coffee or uh, a beverage, uh, otherwise, uh, I'd love to get in contact with you. Is that a coffee with John? Uh, no, I, I can never be coffee with Jay. That's <laughs> that's a thing. I think you have that trademark, Jay. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, follow the show on uh, Apple or uh, Google or however you do it. Give us a like and uh, we'll see you on the next uh, next episode of The Edge. Thank you, Thank you very much. This podcast is a production of the SSE Forum. Editing and post-production is provided by John Spiegel. Sound engineering is expertly conducted by Chris Danby. Food recommendations? Solely the territory of Jay Tilson. Thanks for listening, and give us a follow on LinkedIn, as well as on Twitter. Twitter.